Welcome to the Harper's Podcast. My name is Violet Luca, and I'm the web editor. In the June issue, eight writers, Alexander Chi, T. Cooper, Garth Greenwell, T. Kira Madden, Eileen Miles, Daryl Pinckney, Brontes Purnell, and Michelle T., reflected on the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Riots. In this episode, Alexander Chi, T. Cooper, and T. Kira Madden. Join me to continue the discussion about the varied meanings of pride in an era when, confusingly, such events are ubiquitous and sponsored by corporations, yet take place despite the Trump administration's attempt to remove legal protections for trans people. Here's our conversation. Alexander, I'll just start with you. In your reaction, you talk about how gay bars really didn't belong to gay people back in the day when Stonewall occurred, but rather that they were the property of the mafia. And now it seems like Pride is kind of owned by corporations. The other day I saw this picture of a rock painted with a rainbow that was placed outside of a uh, doorway in the Castro district so a homeless person could not sleep there. So it's like this very aggressive uh, corporatized Pride this, uh, this year. So I was wondering if you could talk about that ownership and that sense of belonging that sort of does or doesn't come along with that? You know, I I landed here in Denver, where I am today, on Pride this last weekend, Denver Pride. And one of the first things I heard was that because Budweiser or Coors, one of the the big beers was a sponsor, no other kind of beer could be sold at the the festival. And this is Denver, you know. (laughs) Beer is a big deal here. So, So that was funny to me the way in which we've gone from like like in my sort of adult lifetime I've gone from seeing us as a community you know putting forward that like don't kill us we'll spend money kind of capitalist approach to I don't know acceptance it wasn't liberation but that was certainly like something that came forward in the early 90s when Out Magazine in particular you know I remember when we when we launched, when I was working there, it was definitely about presenting to advertisers that gay people spent money. And that was a reason to court their business. And we've gone from from being that kind of a presence to having people just, it's not like we're being pushed out of the way exactly, but we're being packaged mm. or being, we're being invited to be packaged. And, you know, I think the resistance that I'm seeing to it now on an annual basis, I, you know, I joke that that's like, that's become part of the tradition of pride is protesting the corporatization of pride. I do think this year I've seen more kind of call out of, of that behavior more than I ever have before. Mm. Um, And perhaps it is because of, this big anniversary, um, but I do even on social media, even even allies and people who are not packaged within the community, um, saying, "Look at trans inclusion in in these corporate companies. Um, let's be more critical. Let's have conversations about this." And that's not something I think I really saw as much before outside of our community. Does that sort of, in your own experience, sort of make you feel like? this isn't actually a place for me. This isn't actually something that I would like to participate in because there's a, 
there's this uh, queer liberation march and rally, which is sort of being po it's posing itself as an alternative and saying this is a political march and it's going to take place the same day as Pride and it's going to start at 7th Avenue and Christopher Street, which is right where Stonewall Inn is and go straight up to uh, Central Park, the the Great Lawn. So I guess is is finding alternative spaces to this corporatized Pride going to be a greater part of Pride in the future, do you feel? Alex, you taking that first? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a big question. Sorry, sorry. No, it's a great question. I'm just thinking of like how I have dealt with it over the years. And some ways that I've dealt with it are, I just don't go to Pride anymore, you mm. know? But there is something about the community coming together that is really beautiful to see. Like even, it was certainly the problem that the Denver Pride, for example, was so corporate, but at the same time, like I could see that for some of the people, it was about their company supporting them being there in that parade, which is a part of that company's support for, for that issue and indicating that they're a place where you can work and be out at work, which is nothing to take for granted now. There were so many families, which merely made me laugh. It was beautiful to see the, the like, uh, Rocky Mountain Rainbows, R-A-I-N-B-E-A-U, <laughs> <laughs> who were like the square dancers, like the queer square dancers. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, you know, I like seeing all that really weird stuff, and that's still there, I think. You know, is it like, is square dancing in your face? Maybe. I don't know. I, I'm not from Denver. <laughs> um, like it's a sort of you know like it's not my place to say how radical that is but but they were so happy you know um and that happiness isn't isn't nothing as a as you might go you didn't have to do square dancing as a kid in like elementary school <laughs> <laughs> is this, or is this like a horror unique to like the u.s oh, okay <laughs> okay <laughs> I remember getting hit with softballs a lot. Sure. <laughs> like for some reason I had like a giant head and the softball just liked hitting it. I, I, I've registered the alternative march as present. Um, I'll be out of town that day, you know, as usual. I'll be in P-Town actually speaking there on the, on the 30th. I'm thinking of, I guess, how in the 60s the dream of, the, of liberation that we saw so often from uh, the kind of mainstream movement folks was that, you know, as James Baldwin put it, like that at some point the word might disappear, the word for what we were. And instead, in the 21st century, we have so many words for it. We have the opposite of that. It turns out what we needed, what we made for ourselves, uh, were identities that, that need a lot of articulation and that that creates space for creates space for people who may not have our identity, but may experience themselves differently in some way they don't expect. So in some ways, like some of these older struggles, like uh, about corporate, not corporate, et cetera, like I, I would like to get away from that argument and try to just imagine something else entirely. What would that be though? Some other way of like of remembering and honoring these people. But yeah, who knows? I put that out there just because, like, is a march going uptown really doing that so much different from what the parade does? I guess we'll see, you know? Mm.
I thought of criticism, but yeah, I just wonder if there's like a, if it isn't time to just start rethinking like how these things are done. Yeah. TK, in your piece, you divided by these different years of your own remembrance of milestones in your own life and seeing how like in some ways right now it's very easy there's very low stakes for a corporation to say yes you can be out and proud because it's the law but in other ways because of the election of donald trump it's not it's becoming maybe more of a flashpoint i mean especially with republicans really driving home this you know bathroom bills as someone who has sort of lived through some of these changes and you're negotiating things differently now, how would you, would you like to elaborate on how those things have changed or like how pride could be now this transitional historical moment? I think like Alex, I don't have, I don't have a clear answer. There's no neat tidy answer for me. You know, I was at Stonewall last week to raise money for Dyke March. And then one or two days later was the night Taylor Swift came and yes. performed at Stonewall. Like, I have feelings about that. And, you know, part of me is just like, Ugh. and the other part is like, okay, well, this raised some money. I, I have feelings. I don't, I don't know. I think it's okay for people not to show up. You know, I loved Michelle T's piece in the mm -hmm. forum of saying, you know, fuck that. It's a protest. I don't, I don't want any part of this. And then I also really loved the way, Alex, how your piece ended. There was this moment of hopefulness of finding our place within the walls, whatever those walls may be, of, of a place where maybe we didn't feel we belonged at some point in time. And I, I agree with Alex that there is so much to that happiness, to feeling that support. I won't be at Pride this year, but I will be at my cousin's wedding, straight wedding in Mexico, wearing a suit with my Butch Dyke fiance in her suit. And that feels like a rebellion and celebration as well. And I think whatever that day means to us, I don't know. I guess I'm trying <laughs> to say I don't know. And I feel the same conflicting feelings about my marriage. I'm getting married in six months and I support queer people saying, fuck that institution. And it also feels political and prideful and beautiful for me to participate in that. Absolutely. We have so many different names for identity now and different ways of kind of exploring that, expressing that, putting a name on it. And T, your piece is a lot about that and feeling like I'm a part of this thing, but I'm also kind of not a part of this thing. And then coming to coming into your own and sort of feeling like, okay, yes, there's this actually, there is a place for me and there is a way of letting other people know who I am. So I guess for you, as trans rights have become more um, visible, or at least the Q part of LGBTQ has been added in, I guess, how has pride sort of changed for you? And do you feel like the corporatization, particularly this year, has, um, affected your willingness to kind of participate or just feel like this is something I belong to? You know, I was just thinking about this the other day because I was in L.A. for I was there during L.A. Pride and then I was there for Trans Pride, which was like bumped to the next weekend and a very different thing. It was more like a gathering and tabling and um, just looking at some of the imagery on the streets, especially of West Hollywood, where these different bodies and different colors and different 
styles of loving and living are, are like lifted up um, as much as the please vote for this Netflix show or that Amazon <laughs> show. You know, it's just so interesting to see these this imagery there now, whereas for the past, you know, 30 years, I don't know. I mean, I, I've, I, I don't I've never really seen myself. And, and the truth is, I still don't see myself represented and that's why and again not to promote myself or my work but that's why i went and made a film about transgender men transgender men of color mostly in that film because i don't feel like we see our stories represented in on screen um especially not in a mainstream way so we have to do it in these other ways that we kind of get in through the back door so it's just a really interesting time to see all the back door stuff that i'm talking about but then also this front door look at Kate Bornstein, gorgeous Kate Bornstein up in, you know, Times Square and the Sephora ad. So it's like, I, I, you know, my old self, my, my getting arrested in the street self, my first reaction is the hair on my neck raises and I get all prickly and pissed off at that kind of stuff. But then on the other hand, I go, well, <laughs> yeah, finally, because these companies are, are not only you know, you can't put those images front and center and quote profit off of them, right? And market off of them and 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 sustain and build your corporation unless you also back that up with supporting your employees who are not in front of the camera, right? The people who are in the offices and get to have um domestic partner benefits or visitation for this, that, the other thing, or certain procedures covered, or not get fired if they are if they transition on the job, blah, 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 all this stuff. So in my mind that visible stuff while yes about selling shit <laughs> that people don't need um to more people that's what that's about yes but it, what comes along with that the comet if you will is this empowerment and and support and allowing folks to live and thrive in ways that they never have been able to if they choose right there's mm -hmm. it's all about choice and i feel it's similar to how i feel about you know trans folks in the military debate, you know, like, do I want to be talking about people putting their lives on the line for this country? No, not even a little. But if that's their choice to build their families and their lives and their careers and literally their sustainability to sustain lives around this, you know, profession, um, then hell yeah, they should be protected and, and, and treated, you know, their lives treated no less um, you're no differently from from folks who are non-trans who are also putting their lives on the line for whatever that means this country. And I'm not a real big pride person, as I mentioned in that piece. I'm you know, a go to pride kind of a, a person. And, and so um, I think I will always be conflicted about it, even when 100% um, equality, <laughs> um, I'm laughing at that, uh, is reached. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, I want to go back to something you said about Taylor Swift, because uh, that has caused a lot of well, a lot of relatively. So there was some uproar to her sort of uh, centering herself in pride, which is like, okay, so this is a straight woman. Maybe she has some gay fans, whatever. Uh, but she's sort of centering herself. She and definitely is, has gay fans. Yes. <laughs> fact, that will pass fact check, yes. Um, but then it raises this larger question of like, is there a way to sort of raise visibility for yourself or for others that does that without centering just one person. Because throughout 
all of these different responses, there comes back to this problem of like, okay, so we've achieved this sort of mainstream recognition, but so much of the time it's like the Pete Buddy Edge uh, sort of a gay man who's white and married and maybe will have children someday, as opposed to sort of the range of races and potential identifiers and pronouns that they would like to use. So how can you be proud without being vain or or exclusionary, let's say? Oh, is that where that question ends up? <laughs> you can go somewhere else if you don't like it. I mean, it. <laughs> I was thinking about like how easy it would have been for her to do that thing that so many pop stars do where they bring in a couple of musicians to sing a few verses and dance next to them. Now, you know, there's all these queer performers now that could have been added into that mix for Taylor, that is. You know, we've seen we've seen Madonna do the Vogue video. And, you know, what she did was she she brought, like, Voguing Masters and gave them space on that video. And, like, this, it's a – this is not Terry Incognita. Right. <laughs> how to go forward so i mean as for pride and vanity you know i just i was just a host at the bubble tea pride party which is this queer asian asian american the calendar party that happens in brooklyn on a semi-monthly basis and it was one of the most fun nights i've ever had uh, and i you know all i had to do was basically just be on the flyer show up dance a little bit, maybe behind the stage or in the back of the stage. Nobody wants me on the front of the stage right now. <laughs> That's fine. My club kid days are behind me. But it was great to stay out till 5 a.m. and meet all of these new queer Asian American Pacific Islander drag queens and gender fluid folks and, and just be like introduced to what's happening with, with my community, you know, from an angle that I don't you know, my current life as a married 51-year-old college professor, I don't I don't necessarily get to see the clubs so much. <laughs> Not up in New England. So, you know, for me, it was that was my pride. I mean, I always say, instead of saying the gay community or the LGBTQ community, I usually talk about our communities because I think of us as, like, intersecting but not necessarily overlapping communities you know, who are aligned politically often, but not always, and who are at least hopefully in conversation. I mean, this might ha have anything to do with your question, but I do think that um, being an aging um, person who has been doing this kind of work in different realms, I'm sure Alex could re relate, you know, we've, we go way back. You do it in the streets, right? And then it's like, Maybe then it moves to your, your little tiny room where you're doing it, you know, on the computer and you're sending, you know, these stories out into the world, whether they be print or, or, or film or whatever. And then, you know, and then now in the classroom. And, and that's something I just recently uh, did, too. I, I literally just finished my first year as a professor at Emory um, in the creative writing department down in Atlanta. And so, yeah, for, for me, it, it, it was really kind of cool to hear him just talk about that form of gay pride and having it be such an intimate personal thing about his version of pride. And that, you know, for me too, like 
I, I, I just, again, I don't, I don't love the word pride. I don't love the word bravery. I don't, you know, I don't like being told, oh, you're so brave, like to go where no one's gone before, you know, and it's like, hell, there are people been doing this for, you know, since people have existed. Um, we're just doing it in different ways now. And so I like to think of that activism as, as, as just as a, as a growing queer person who's still, uh, or, uh, you know, a trans person who's still alive and still here and, and doing this work in, in, smaller ways and bigger ways and sometimes in front of 18 19 20 year olds because that's that's who's next so yeah i i feel like that that pride thing is 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 a year-round thing um and and i don't think of the word pride i mean honestly most of the time there's shame and self-loathing if we're um sentient beings right like (laughs) you know it's 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 hard work it's hard work to be human and it's hard work to be a human of difference in this world and, and, and no differences. I don't know the, the, the ranking of, of, um, of, of, uh, identities and stuff. I, I really like the notion again of communities rather than one community, because I, I don't often feel aligned necessarily politically or socially, but there's an affinity there and an understanding that will never be broken. It, you know, it, it, I guess if you say sexual minorities or, you know, gender, folks with different gender identities and sexual identities. I mean, I, we're still having conversations where people think that being trans means being gay. And that sounds so simple, but I literally just got off a phone call two minutes ago where, you know, I'm, I've been doing a lot more TV work now, which is very different from book and magazine work. And mm. I'll leave it at that. But <clears throat> yes. having over and over um, some of these differences, you know, I don't know. I, I just feel like I, I feel more ambidextrous and, I'm older now. I'm still around. I'm just not, you know, getting arrested and I'm, I'm doing it in different ways. And I'm, I'm doing that work to, to, to be visible for those who can't, uh, mm-hmm. because so many can't. And I've chosen to be visible and, um, you know, just dealing on a day to day basis with what that then means in one's life. Cause it, it's a big difference. And sometimes I do wonder, and that's a little bit about with respect to the piece I wrote for, for Harper's of just having walked by stone wall for so many years of my life and, and feeling nothing, much less actually feeling, you know, a little bit of animosity or a lack of understanding or, or a disidentification, right? Mm-hmm. Just like that has nothing to do with me. Now that had to do with a lot of stuff that I need to figure out about myself, but it also ha- had to do with being the grouping thing, you know, the the feeling like, you know, all of our needs and desires and what whatnot have to be grouped together. They just don't. We can all be different. I can be um, a transgender man who many folks on the street would just go, oh, that's a man, not knowing anything about my history. And then you or you or you or anybody can be uh, someone who doesn't ascribe to the binary or doesn't live in the binary. And how I live my life has nothing to do with how you live your life. You know, all the identities are valid. All the expressions are valid. So um, it's an interesting time (laughs) in that respect. Sure. Yeah, I, I too really like the idea of communities who are in conversation. That makes a lot of sense to me. And I don't think I've even heard it voiced exactly that way because I want places like Stonewall to exist and I want dike bars to stay in existence. And I want those dike bars to also be inclusive. And I don't know, I think it's okay to have all these different rhetorics and ideologies running at the same time. And I think too, I'm, you know, I'm 30 years old. And what I tried to get at in my Harper's piece as well is I have an enormous privilege. Um, and I think for these younger generations, it's, it's so important, especially for us, 
to keep just to keep all of that protest within the conversation. I worked at the Toys of Arrows sex store in P-Town last year for a whole year. And I was just even having conversations with these now 18 to 22 year olds. There's a completely different conversation happening, completely different language that I feel even boxed out of in some way. If we're talking about, um, you know, corporation versus pride, like this, this genderqueer, trans, Asian American, Jewish, deaf person, cello man, who I follow on the internet. Um, he recently had this line with opening ceremony. And at first I was like, oh, okay, we're having a, a, a gender crew line with opening ceremony. But the way the photo shoot happened with, there was complete inclusion of people of bodies of different abilities and different colors and from everyone from behind the camera to the people modeling the clothes. That was really beautiful to see that this is a new direction that that could take if we uphold those those standards for ourselves. Yeah, and, and just how that, the fact that fluidity is in the conversation now as opposed to, which is, which seems new, but before sort of the modern gay rights movement, that's sort of how people perceive sexuality, that it was more like, you know, uh, Cary Grant could sleep with a guy and then he could go sleep with some beautiful woman and he was just Cary Grant. And that this is more of a, now we're sort of like, even though it seems like we have all of these different pronouns and different ways of sort of approaching this that are based on race, gender, uh, you know, sex assigned at birth to, to, to age, that this is like, this is sort of almost the beginning of a way to sort of wear away at gender entirely and just sort of be like, this is just people and you know, it's fine. It's all fine, but it's, it's still, it's a, it's a long, it's certainly not to say that it isn't a long way off in that in the Trump era that it could very easily be reversed. T you weren't here for the, the Trump question. So if you would have wait, if you would like to add to that or. I don't know if we have time for that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm both in the South in Atlanta and New York city you know, splitting time and then in Los Angeles all the time. So it's like, oh God, it, it's it's very clear living in Atlanta and then also living in Atlanta and then going to LA to work for a couple of weeks, which I just did, the perception of the evil South mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the, the very binary thinking that like South bad, you know, West Coast good, we will punish the South now for, <laughs> you know, banning abortion um, and, and, and essentially hurting the women who, you know, especially the women who, who who live and work here and have made lives in the film industry and in the TV industry. So it's just, yeah, I mean, it's when I was saying earlier, it's an interesting time. It, it just, it's a terrifying time to, to, to still be sending work out in the world because on, on both sides as our, well, not really president would say, but as our unpresident would say, it's so frustrating and it's so much easier to attack our own and easier to attack things that we feel like we can control because these other things are so out of control and so terrifying and rights are being taken away, you know, before our very eyes. And, and these things that we have taken for granted and these things that we're seeing in Times Square on a billboard, that's all fine and good. But, <laughs> you know, the reality is, is that uh, that's, individual corporate decisions um, that are being made for marketing reasons and also social reasons, but that on the ground with all these judges that, that we are now going to be stuck with, 
that stuff's going to be taken away. <laughs> Just the very existence of those folks. I would be terrified now if I were, and actually I, I know, I, I know young trans folks are, are reaching out all the time just because I've been very visible with this film that I just did. And, you know, we did like a year and a half of film festivals and people literally coming up to me and being like, what does this mean? What are they going to do to us? Can I get, can I get hormones? Can I live as a trans person in my job, in my school? Like there's just a big question mark and those are real questions. And, you know, I wonder every day with my family and my wife and our kids, like, what are we doing? We like, <laughs> What are we doing? I'm I'm a class of person now who I could get in a motorcycle accident and an ambulance could, you know, roll up on me. And if they somehow know I'm trans could could decide, oh, I don't just I don't agree, quote, agree with that lifestyle. And I'm going to let that guy die like that's terrifying. And that's real. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, <laughs> that's why for me, too, it's like it, it's so hard to get into the granular stuff about whether it's corporate or this or, you know, like I. We just need each other now more than ever, more than ever, because no one else has our back. Alex, do you want to add to that? Mm. I enjoy saying my husband. <laughs> it's uh, it makes me giggle, uh, just like it did just there. I like seeing people react to it. Sometimes it's shock. You know, we mar we got married right after the election, and it was it was because of the election in part. We've been thinking about it anyway, talking about it and so on, but we made a deliberate decision to marry before Trump took office. And, you know, it's, yeah, they're, they are lining up their judges and we'll see, we'll see what, if anything, we can do about it. So I think, um, in the long reckoning that will come after, after this presidency, and there will be an after, we're going to have to look into the legitimacy of those choices and of those processes. Right now, one thing I see very clearly is how the culture is not with the administration. How it's so clear the administration represents a minority of views in this country. There's a reason no one ever likes anything they do, and it's not the press. What they're doing is heinous, and the culture is not with them. And they're hoping that they can put all of this back in a bottle, take it all away, bring back all the horror and pain that made them so comfortable before. And they just don't have the numbers to do it. So they're trying all these other ways. And we'll see how long it lasts. In the face of something like that, does the value of pride go up for you, even if you yourself don't participate in it? As someone who, who is also an activist, I know activist burnout is real. And it's important to remember to organize a dance, not just a march. Mm. <laughs> and there's a way in which our are those dances, those celebrations, um, are a place where you encounter both yourself as you are now, maybe in some new way, because of the environment that you find yourself in. And you may encounter a dream of the future also, uh, that you follow away from there. And that's pride at its best, you know, whoever paid for the beer. <laughs> wow, that's... That's some, some uh, magical shit, Alex. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of want to go to Pride now. It's an absolute vodka. <laughs> and maybe dance with the Go-Go Boys. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> 
You've been listening to the Harper's Magazine podcast, produced and edited by Violet Luca. The music is Cut and Shoot by Febrifuge. Harper's Magazine is the oldest general interest monthly in America, exploring the issues that drive our national conversation through long-form narrative journalism and essays. To get 12 issues for $21.97, visit harpers.org save.